Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Kashana Kali is the author of The Survivalists. Kashana is a former Midtown antitrust lawyer and Brooklyn resident. She is a writer for the Fox comedy The Great North, a contributing opinion writer for The New York Times, and a GQ contributor. She's written for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and Pod Saves America on HBO as well as The Atlantic, The New Yorker, Pitchfork, and Rolling Stone, and has published fiction in Esquire, Slate, Tin House, and The Chronicles of Now. Kashana now lives in Los Angeles. I, so I'm sorry to do this podcast from the car, but it's my, I had to drop my son off at school, and it's my husband's birthday. My husband, Kyle, say hi. Hi! <laughs> Decided at the last second to go and drop off my son at school. Anyway, here I am. It still works perfectly. Good. Yes, it does. I completely understand. 
Okay, so welcome, Kashana. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Survivalist, a novel. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this with you. Oh, you too. Can you please tell listeners what your book is about? I Sometimes I joke that it's where... It, it's where the intersection of bad roommates and bad boyfriends go to screw up your life. Um, it's about a lawyer who's in, becoming increasingly depressed with her career, but she's single and she always wanted to find the perfect guy. And she does, but there's a big catch. He is a survivalist and so are his roommates and it doesn't go that well. There's always something. Yeah. <laughs> I loved how you described her one day as as wearing an orange dress to work so that she could at least pretend it was the weekend and not be so depressed at work. That was a great detail. I love that. Where did this concept come from? And did you ever keep a similar sort of spreadsheets with a required amount of Googling per person? (laughs) I do religiously believe in Google. I have never Googled my way through a boyfriend because I met my husband a little bit before the Google your way through a boyfriend era. But I will Google anything else than an inch of its life and trust the results. Thank you, Internet. The book came about because I read about two sets of survivalists who were living right in the middle of crime-free neighborhoods in New York City. One was a Bonnie and Clyde-like pair living in the very crime-free village, 1956, if folks are familiar with New York. And the other one was on the end of my block in Prospect Heights. Above a trendy ramen shop, stockpiling guns like it was going out of style in another neighborhood that wouldn't know what crime was if it did it in the face. And I was like, why, guys? But I grew up in a house with guns, and my parents stockpiled food, and they were very much just-in-case people. So I sort of understood how these folks could end up there, but also sort of not. And that's when I started writing the book. And tell me about the decision to make both of their parents both deceased and how that became a common element for Aretha and Aaron. I'm not as close to my parents as I could be because of their survivalism. And I took a very hard look at that sort of relationship and what it's meant in my life. But I also wanted Aretha to have a reason why she was really, really going after this guy who looked super questionable. And I feel like at, at various points in the book, it feels like they are trying harder than most couples do to create a family sense around them, even though they are not engaged and they have not necessarily committed to each other in a sense that would really make that make sense. If their parents are fit and they're hanging with these roommates and this lifestyle, maybe that that opened up the chance for them to be more committed to each other. Otherwise, she could just leave. <laughs> right. But you find that common element, whatever it is, convince yourself of anything. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I loved all the imagery and the details about the coffee bags, the coffee grinds, all everything related to the business of the coffee, the coffee-backed story, if you will. Uh, tell me about that. It was the late odds to me and my husband and our friends. We were all just hardcore into coffee. It had just moved over from being like, you put hazelnut syrup in your Starbucks in the part of New York <laughs> we were living in to, wait, there are notes, there are, this, there are blueberries in this, there are citrus notes. We hunted down all these third-wave coffee shops. I started talking to baristas. I read all the the details about the farmers that they posted on their wall, how the crops were grown, how they harvested them. I got obsessed. I started reading this magazine called Imbibe. I drove down to North Carolina and visited counterculture coffee and talked to their roasters, and they thought I was a professional. And I was like, oh, no, I'm just obsessed. 
And I, so when it came time to decide what anybody was going to do in this book, I'm a big believer in people you know, have professions in literature. Oh, I want to write about something I'm obsessed with. I want to see if coffee works. And it did. That's awesome. So then what is your go-to coffee? What do you get? What do you drink in real life? Uh, right now I'm on the subscription program from this coffee roaster in my neighborhood called Go Get Em Tiger in Los Angeles. But I, everywhere I go on a trip, I bring back home a bag. I've ordered coffee from Los Texas or Brooklyn. I um, was very excited to meet some Salvadorans in Paris because I, I wasn't a huge fan of General Paris Cafe coffee. And we started talking about coffee for half an hour and how South American beans were better. I'm, I'll meet a coffee person everywhere I go. I'll try a bag everywhere. But in wow. general, I like heavy notes like butterscotch, chocolate. How do you that make kind of it? Do you, you talked about different different ways of making the coffee in the book too, at the different Eric machines or whatever. So how like how do you do you do a drip? I know this is like ridiculous, but I'm curious. Uh, I have a Chemex. I'm a big believer in it. I used to be a French press person, but it turns out the oils in French press are not great for your cholesterol. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna be more healthy about this. The Chemex filters out those oils, and then you pour over hot coffee on top of ground beans on a filter, and it's very open to the air. It's very elegant. Huh. So for someone who spends this much time and attention on coffee, tell me about how you started writing. I know you've done TV work as well. Uh, how did you get into why write a novel and, and just writing in general? Like, where did that come from? And something you've always loved? I was a really early lover of books. I was like the eight-year-old who made friends with my librarian and read like little women and stuff. That turned into high school poetry that was bad, and then high school poetry that was better, and then fiction that was bad. And I just kept going because I love it so much. Um, I wrote a book on the side when I was in law school that didn't work out, but was a good exercise in terms of structuring and laying out a novel. I wrote two other ones that didn't sell, but this was, believe it or not, the last one. I was like, if this doesn't sell, I'm just going to find something else to do my life. In between all the books, I ended up writing nonfiction. <laughs> I, I was briefly an opinion writer at the Times. I ended up uh, writing for TV because somebody DM'd me one night and said, you know, I really like your jokes. Is there any chance you consider writing for television? But I'd always wanted to write a novel the whole time. And all of these other paths were complete surprises. But it's been so much fun to have all this experience as a writer. I've met hundreds of people. I've met so many other writers and editors. I love it. Wow. I love that. I think it's so important to, for people to hear about all of the past many attempts. I feel like it's, you have to write at least two practice novels or the third month sells. It's so rare to meet somebody who sells the first thing they've ever written fully as a novel. So it's like, it's not a failure. It's just like, you have to do that because that's what you have to do. Like you can't play a tennis match if you have. And honestly, the journey is fun. I think I've become a better writer because of all of that. I know I don't know a single person without a drawer book, like you were saying. And honestly, I, they all, everybody I've talked to, do feels like they're better writers for having one under their belt that didn't work out either. It's part of a journey, and the journey is fine. I love how you said that though. That you start as like a bad, bad poet, bad fiction. It's like the hierarchy to getting where you get to getting where you go, like. If you're in high school and you're writing a bad poem right now, like stay tuned because <laughs> you're on your way. The bad poetry but, led to other friends who are writing bad poetry too. That was my first writer community. I feel like the the idea of writer community has 
can, I've carried that with me for a long time too. And that was some of why I love this though. So everything to me, all of those steps had a purpose. I made friends at all those levels. I read people whose work was better than me and who I learned from at all those levels. I got better at those levels. It was a long journey for me, but it was worth it. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Was there a piece of the TV writing that particularly helped in the novel writing? Like, did it help with dialogue or, or pacing or, like, the of everything or or is it just everything uh, in general but. at the daily show i became a less afraid writer and a less afraid pitcher you have to pitch to 60 people every morning at 9 a.m and you have to be the funniest person in the room who's on point with what news they want to cover that day and after getting up in front of a room and like pitching to 60 people every morning i will never i i do not i'm not afraid to present ideas i'm not afraid to do public speaking i'm not afraid to just write something down and see if it works and junk it if it doesn't. I'm happy that that job taught me to fear a lot of things a lot less. Like a real trial by fire situation. So when you think of your own author community, like what are some of the best avenues for growing that or for where do you find yourself making the most relationships related to writing? And then how do you foster them? Is it one-off or do you join communities, like actual communities or is it bookish events? Or like, how do you keep all that going or is it just a personal thing like any other I started out on Twitter the editor of this book was my eighth follower on Twitter back in 2010 um <laughs> he and I giggled about that a lot because we I mean he's now he's the editor-in-chief of the publishing house and I have this book out. we've gone through a lot together he edited a column I wrote in 2015 also and that was that's been one of the longest most fulfilling professional relationships in my life that started out when I followed somebody back and we started chatting every day five years before we ended up working together professionally he he and I fell in with other groups of people who were at about our level at the time he was running a lit mag that that had a smaller audience and I was writing weird little short stories that had a smaller audience and so were so many of the people we hang out with we were just at the same level we talked every day about what we thought about books what we thought about 
other writers and we thought it went gossip. That ended up spilling over after I'd written for five years into real life events in New York. I started going to parties and people had read a piece of mine and could recognize me by sight, which is insane. I met a ton and ton of people that way who were doing, who were obsessed with things that I wasn't. And I learned a lot from their obsessions. I love obsessed people. They're the best. And then from there, yeah, I'm still on Twitter. I still do stuff in real life. I still think just reaching out to people who seem interested in your work or people who whose work you're interested in has been something that has really helped me make friends in the community and also get better as a writer and look out for more people to read as well. Do you ever do any classes or anything? No, not since high school. I don't have an MFA or anything. I am. <laughs> I came from, from scratch <laughs> and lots of effort. I was rejected for an MFA, MSA, but it's okay. I've, I've made it. <laughs> so when you, uh, when you read, like, what are the types of things you gravitate towards? What do you love to read? Uh, these days, I'm really into crime fiction. I feel like just kind of societally, there's a lot of parts of our society that aren't working out right now. A lot of folks in crime fiction are turning to very extreme ends to to pursue their goals and to pursue justice. And so there's a lot of truth and realism in those novels, even though they don't necessarily involve things that people would do in real life. I love contemporary fiction with a sense of humor. I love Percival Everett. I love Gary H. Steingart. I love nonfiction with real verve and style. I love Patrick Rad Keefe. I love um, Isabel Wilkerson wrote this great book called Cast and this other book called The Warmth of Other Sons. And I am descended from great migration people and just love reading about that part of Black history. I love Black history. I love Black present. But in general, and I love random authors who I never would have heard of who are just doing interesting sounding things that people tweet about. I know people are afraid to self-promote online, but I swear to God, people promoting their own books is how I find your book and how a lot of people find your book. And I will just click on random links all day long and be and introduced to people who I then become fans of for years. I agree. I love seeing what they promote, but also what other people that I really respect promote, what books they're reading. I feel like that's what I mean. Well, aside from publicists. And what are you working on now? It's really too much of a unformed baby to talk about in any great detail, but I am working on a second novel that explores some of the stuff that I would say that's in the first novel that I'm obsessed with. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Right. Aside from your the, the friends that you met that you met are the two couples who were survivalists also, did they just a wet your appetite for this whole topic, but then did you do it more of a deep dive and get obsessed about survivalism in general? And how much did you have to learn about guns and like what specifics and I all did that? absolute tons of gun research. It's amazing how you can grow up in a household where people have guns and not know anything about makes, model, how they're fired, et cetera, what they're used for. Wisconsin is a hunting culture. I'm originally from there, but I had to learn about like personal gun ownership, which has nothing to do with hunting rifles or that sort of gun usage as well, and concealed carry and things like that. Concealed carry was not a thing when I was growing up in Wisconsin. It was not allowed until after I left the state. And so I, I had to learn about basically the personal reasons why people own guns outside of hunting deer, which was what was very trendy when I was growing up. I um, looked into the Bundys an awful lot because I was amazed at how you, people could occupy federal land for that long and not get into more serious trouble than they did. I also had the great luck of ending up with a friend who had a boyfriend who filled their attic with guns and brought like a tank into a major city and 
didn't mind being lightly quizzed about what his deal was, um, <laughs> which was just insane. After I'd already developed an interest in this stuff, she just started dating this guy, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Let me just ask you questions and try to be subtle about the fact that I'm absolutely fascinated with what you're doing. But yeah, but then on top of that, I just, I read about Black survivalists too, which is a bit of a different tradition than a lot of the stuff I just mentioned. A little bit more internal, a little less like carrying guns at Target. Yeah, I did a lot of research. It was fun. Do you ever think about being like a historian or like what what was your path if the writing thing had panned out for you? Man, I don't know. I kind of wanted to be a writer since I was 10. I was a very unhappy lawyer. And at towards the end, I was like, what if I really tried going after writing. I thought I might be a musician once. I am not particularly talented at anything. I did play the violin for 10 years, but nah. I I just, I'm one of those always wanted to be a writer type, living the dream. Well, this, this book is definitely not an advertisement for joining law firms. <laughs> <say> that. <laughs> there are no advertisements for joining law firms. Well, no, but this definitely isn't one. <laughs> so like run the other way. Um, <laughs> So what advice do you have for aspiring authors? I'll keep going. Honestly, I've most of it, myself and most of the people I know, the reason why we got published is because we kept going. We took the negative feedback. We took the rejections. We took um, the bad drafts. We took the general sense of, I think at the beginning, you're kind of unsure of your own work and you just sort of have to fight through that and go, you know what? I believe in what I'm doing and I'm going to keep going. If you're there at the beginning, congratulations. Power to you, but I love it. And it was something I had to fight through. Um, and just, you know, I don't think it's bad to have friends that are writers. If you find folks that are fun and that you feel like you're learning from and really enjoying hanging out with, um, it's cool to read work. People who do work that you don't. I have a lot of journalist buddies. Uh, I know a lot of nonfictionists generally. And it was fun to hang out with them and learn how just a different side of writing worked and to do a little bit of that and kind of develop my writer brain in different ways. So basically, whatever you think will help your writing, you should go ahead and do that. And to keep finding some sort of writing practice, keep going, keep producing drafts, keep sending work out, keep taking the rejections in stride. And when did the whole ear piercing at the mall thing happen? I was 16. <laughs> my very first job was at a Claire's uh, in the mall. I they, This was like the late 90s. They handed me a cassette tape and they were just like, we're going to, so you'll have this cassette tape and then you'll have this mannequin that's made of styrofoam with earlobes and you're just going to take the ear gun. They called an ear piercing gun. You're just going to shoot the mannequin and then you'll be fine. You'll be able to do real people. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> I ran away. And I quit and I ended up going to another store in the mall and selling coats, which was so much less violent. <laughs> that's it. Well, I had a had a daughter who got her ears pierced at Claire's, I must say. <laughs> anyway, I won't even comment. Thank you for coming in, Mom's No Time to Read Books. I'm sorry again for recording this in my car, but when I do, when I have to do something for my kids. So trying to fit it all in. And, you know, congratulations. This book is already just getting so much buzz and press and all the rest. So um, I look forward to just watching it as it all. It's Thanks for oh, having me. It's really been a pleasure to talk to you about this book. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.